You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver, Colorado, which is one of the 50 states where gay marriage has been legalized. And I'm Matt Duncan of Gelsenkirchen, Germany, where it isn't formally legalized yet. Your move, Germany. Right. All right, we got some follow-up today for, for Bits and Pieces, episode 22. Um, in, our, in our weekly title news... Uh, Looks like they're having some CEO trouble. So uh, Peter Tonstad, I don't know how you say that, um, has apparently been let go. And uh, of course, don't panic. Title's doing great. You know, it's going to be the best yeah. music service of all time. Um, it already is. Right. It's it's going to re-becoming the greatness it never was in whatever the Stephen Colbert book is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know the press just loves any chance to just like crap on title, but... It does seem like there's just, it's just bad story after bad story. Yeah. And we got to add that this isn't just one of the, the artists that signed up early on for this. No, this is the actual CEO of Wimp when it was back when it was called Wimp when they, after the, uh, no, before the rebranding into Tidal. What I found a bit confusing about this article that, uh, and, and which you posted here was that underneath the article there was a big now watch here's the video of that bonkers 70 million dollar <laughs> mansion that the minecraft creator bought outbidding jay-z and beyonce and for for, for a moment i thought wait wait not your name isn't peter Ton it's, that's not the same guy is it but no this video is completely unrelated basically just because this article is about title jay-z has to do something with titles so let's just post a video where Ty where jay-z is just marginally um related with yeah that's here's how we, that's that how we he, roll in today's media here's a house jay-z didn't buy it's basically the video yeah <laughs> and that video is ridiculous it's just like uh, mansion porn is actually how yeah. the best way to describe it. It's just slow moving cameras through something that no person should ever be able to afford. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that's our title follow up. Um, actually, I'm going to bump something else up that's kind of follow up and that's uh, the Apple music stuff. Um, right. Number one, uh, as, as you know, from our disclaimer, we had to insert last week, uh, Apple changed their mind after we recorded and decided to pay royalties. Um, they reduced royalties during the free trial, and this is very similar to every other music streaming service. Um, people on a free trial on Spotify or Tidal, um, the, the royalties paid out are lesser than paying customers. Um, and that's just the deal that's been worked out. Um, but more importantly, Taylor Swift will be on Apple Music. <laughs> Yay! And not just her old albums, but apparently this one called 1989 that people like. Uh, I've actually never listened to it. Um, that's not like a badge of pride. I'm not one of those people that's like, I never listened to that. Um, but the so other thing today, <laughs> I'm so edgy. Um, the other big piece was that, uh, Pharrell's new single will be exclusive. I mean, timed exclusive, but exclusive on Apple Music. And, uh, I feel like that's the kind of thing that Tidal really needed to be able to yeah. say when they launched. Yeah. So people are already choosing for, for the competitor. That's yeah. or, that o that's only been announced so far, not even launched yet. We, I mean, yeah. we can all expect uh, Apple Music to be a success, but um, yeah, it, it really uh, speaks volumes that people are choosing Apple Music already, and and yeah, I think most of them have already kind of seen that. Uh, yeah, doesn't yeah. doesn't really work. 
but we got some good stuff that's not Apple or title related. I feel like we've kind of been saturated a bit lately with, with all their news. Um, but we actually have some interesting music equipment here. And so what's this, explain this here headphone Kickstarter thing. Yeah, so this is a Kickstarter for a product. Um, it's earplugs that have little microphones inside of them. So they supposedly shield you from the outside world and then, um, yeah, played back to you after putting effects on it, an equalizer or whatever you can, you can do with it. So here's a basic, just basically just a list of features. Um, yeah, we, we got an equalizer. We, we see this in the video where some guy is standing at a concert and he's boosting the low end and, and reducing the high end in a, yeah, it's, it's only have, it only has five bands. So, um, if you as a listener haven't dealt at or played with a lot of equalizers, having only five points of articulation in an equalizer isn't all that much. And I don't know if there's going to be more, but what I found really crazy is then we've got some sound effects. Now reverb, I can understand. Sometimes it's fun to hear something with a, with a bit of, uh, reverb on it, but also we've got flange, vinyl, echo, and, uh, what's this one? Oh, it's noise mask. Okay. So let me, let me get into the noise mask first. Um, that's, that's a feature that's actually useful. So, um, you can sit down in, in somewhere where there's loud AC or in a plane and, uh, or somewhere there is loud engine noise and you can basically filter this out if it works as promised. Yeah. And we've got headphones that already do this, like over the, over ear headphones, but these are earplugs that are supposedly doing this. Now this is all fine, but coming back to a flanger or vinyl effect on real life. <laughs> That's just how vintage I live. Ever want that? <laughs> I'm not even putting a flange on my guitar. Why would I would I put it on on anything? Or if you were seeing a band, a whole band, oh yeah, let me put a flange on it. It's fun. Um, I don't know. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right. Well, what really makes me skeptical is that they're saying they are getting sub thirty milliseconds latency. That means um, uh, so. I'm kind of used to to having some latency when I play or when I sing because I'm so used to playing through my guitar and through software. And um, but the more latency latency you have, the yeah, the more noticeable it gets. Um, if you're performing yourself, you're you're losing your rhythm. I mean, we've had this before. We've had to uh, kind of pause our recording for the podcast because I've had um, that monitoring on. I heard myself slightly delayed by about forty milliseconds because I had some plugin running that was really intensive. And I couldn't really, um, yeah, my, my speech was really, really, uh, yeah, it's like a cognitive explosion. <laughs> you can't think straight when you hear yourself immediately. Yeah. They are, they are promising that they've got sub 30 milliseconds. And this is, this is actually hard to achieve, especially in such a small yeah. device. Um, so I've, I've got a machine here more or less built for something like that. And, um, just just for the input and output latency and we, we've um we can link uh, we've got an article we're going to link in the show notes about latency um by by focus right they they had a nice interesting article about latency and what kind of elements introduce latency in digital processing and analog processing and just reading that i just don't find it believable that they are getting 30 milliseconds without any other yeah, diminishing effects on it, on the sound. Yeah, and with with preserving, and I mean, you also brought up like, is there a proper microphone in this thing? How, like, there's already a degradation there. It's got to listen and then play right. a game of telephone into your ear. Um, and 
yeah, I don't know. Like, I find the concept of this interesting. Like, it's very sci-fi to me that you can intercept right. all the sound in the world and hear kind of what you want to hear about it. Cue all the people, you know, claiming the future is full of narcissistic, selfish people that <laughs> filter everything. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Flanger will be amazing. Maybe you should be supportive of this innovation <laughs> and uh, Flanger all the things. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I like the video because uh, they, you know, they show the guy at the concert, and um, they have this voiceover about like, you know, basically making it sound like sound guys inflict this horrible thing on you, and you, you we're we're giving you power, we're giving power back to the people from all these evil sound guys. <laughs> They're yeah. just trying to do We're their giving job. Giving you somebody who has, has probably has no clue about uh, sound mixing the power instead of the guy who's probably been paid for that for years. And we all um, know that I mean, <laughs> e- EQing in post can save any bad mix, <laughs> right? And it's easy to do. I mean, if it sounds bad, just boost the bass. That's all you're gonna do. So you can turn them into into Beats headphones. Yeah. And another thing I found funny in this video is that the the noise masking, which I was just talking about. Um, usually, I I know those algorithms. You you um you let them record something that's that's basically made up of the noise, and then from that they learn what to filter out. So in this app, in this video, he sh- uh, it, this app is shown where somebody's sitting in a cafe and a baby is crying and the app opens and he clicks on the baby button and <laughs> supposedly the baby crying is gone. But also, you know, half your frequency range is gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to see. I mean, if it was like really the tiny, tiny latency, but 30 wouldn't, would still be too much latency. Like, would they right. be doing like the form of like mono like cancel it phase cancellation or something but i don't know <laughs> there's I no way know. you can do that in real time is <laughs> what i guess if you had two different i don't know out of phase live feeds of the sound you hate you could figure it yeah. out but there's one more application or there's an application that people are talking about in the comments, but the other one I just had was um, binaural recordings could be feasible with something like that. I don't know how how much uh, a binaural recording set costs right now. So this is basically um, headphones that are play or a head, a sh- uh, something shaped like a hat, which has headphones where your ears would be, and you can record some something in stereo like that, and it actually sounds just not even like stereo. It's it's like I, let's say a 3d movie for your ears and uh, you can actually hear the placement of something in the room and uh maybe something like that could be possible for 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 the low budget people um although i can i i suspect that uh just a binaural microphone set would be even cheaper because it doesn't have to do the fucking processing in there <laughs> yeah. and just uh, capture the, the other the other yeah and the other thing that people are saying in the comments that it could be possibly a replacement for hearing aids now i don't know there's there's got to be some restrictions on on selling hearing aids that they've got to perform some certain things but um yeah maybe this is the future maybe we're seeing what we're seeing here is the future of hearing aids that can actually um really adapt to the situation or be controlled with an app so this is something that i i can get behind yeah so instead of hearing nothing, you can actually hear that. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm just ready to, uh, you know, put you know have my contact lenses so I can put like a grain filter over real life, and then I'll I'll use flanger and I'll use you know I'll have extra <laughs> noise added to everything I hear, and I'll just be living in a grindhouse film. <laughs> um, 
that wouldn't be horrific at all. More more products uh, being being marketed and, and, and shared in interesting ways. So Sony has this big ad that you found this on Twitter. Uh, Stephen Merchant um, had a had a nice crack here. Yeah, Justin sent it to me on Twitter. <laughs> so uh, let me pull up the the picture here so I can properly represent it. So you you know number one it's a curved ad so it looks like one of those stupid Samsung curved TVs except it's a uh, top down instead of left right. Yeah. Um, it's got this guy. Uh, Wearing Sony headphones, it looks like Chris Martin. A little bit, yeah. I could see a little bit of that. He's, you know, he's a, he's got a little scruff on his face. It's not like full on beard. I think it is Chris Martin. He's got the blue eyes. <laughs> I think it is him. <laughs> and uh, it's just in in large heading font. I can hear things you can't with high res audio. With so Sony, Sony saying, uh, yep. Uh, so Stephen Merchant's crack about this was uh, Sony targeting the smug bastard market, and uh, that that's awesome. We need more ridicule. A little thing that that really drives me insane about this picture: if you look at this headphones, um, the the left and the right ear speaker thingy—I don't know what it's called—they um, aren't extended the same way. So oh, one of them yeah. is extended more than the others. It's not symmetric. Why did you point this out? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I'm, and wouldn't I'm, you think that somebody who made this advertising should have noticed that? I'm going to be upset the entire rest of this day because yeah. of that. <laughs> <laughs> You're now breathing manually. <laughs> oh, you're just piling on now. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, we, we, we have the, the lossless snake oil argument almost every week now, and we actually have another article to talk about that. Um, at the very least, headphones and speakers do matter a lot for the quality of what you're listening to. They matter almost the most of all. And so while the snake oil is still strong with this ad, um, the headphones may not be better than others. Um, at least headphones matter. So I'd rather see them shown as, the, you know, one of the centers of quality in your purchasing decision um, than, right. well, was it compressed at 256 or 320? Because, you know, I have standards. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, I, I get it, it's advertising. It's almost rarely deals with the facts and it's, it's all about emotion and, and making having an attitude and impact but uh and you found another article by the verge um they they did a review of title didn't they so yeah the verge had this article uh the, the headline was title is still great except for all the nonsense and then uh the 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 subheaders where all the crap comes in and uh so they, they said uh lossless streaming is the real deal and uh, it just kind of, you know, continues to proliferate this this myth that lossless audio makes a difference for the listening experience. That if you're listening every week, you're probably sick of us hitting on this. But um, and the comment thread, and you know, these comment threads about it are becoming a cliche too. Which I mean, I know it's the internet; never read the comments, but it's it's a mix of people going, "Have you done double blind studies? You're an idiot. Stop posting this stuff." And then people going, "No, man." No, have you ever used good speakers? Oh man, and I don't know. I, I'm just tired of this. Maybe maybe we should have a a moratorium on complaining about this. But um, yeah, uh, I have nothing to add. It's it's just the same shit every week. <laughs> Why are we still addressing this? Yeah, it's not going to change. Um, 
but the, I guess one quote to, you know, if you want to feel angry about this with us, um, here's a quote from the article. It says, lossless streaming isn't a gimmick. In fact, it's the opposite. Streaming services can't entirely obviate own music without it. Average quality streams are great for the bulk of the market, but hardcore music lovers will absolutely pay a little more for something that sounds noticeably better. I'm, I'm one, one of them. them. In brackets. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Uh, yeah. Well, let's cheer up a bit. I have a gig report. So, uh, yay. Gig report. Yay. So, uh, this, this past Friday, uh, Montropo, uh, played at a place called Infinite Monkey Theorem. This is a winery here in Denver. They're up north in, uh, this warehouse district that's kind of blowing up with tons of hipster places and restaurants and breweries and tap rooms. And, uh, they have this big outdoor patio with tons of really comfortable, seating and also some picnic tables which are not comfortable to sit at but um (laughs) this was this was a fun show because uh andres and sarah just got back from their midwest tour for smoking honey so um got to play a show with them pretty much immediately when they got back and uh but the actual nature of the show is kind of one of those who knows what's going to happen it's you know two hours till the show and weird details are still not known, which is always kind of frustrating. Um, so this, in this case, um, we get there, you know, I got there on five thirty or 6 PM and, uh, you know, there's someone that's going to play before us, Betsy lay, who I interviewed on the pseudo show played before us. And, uh, she's like, yeah, um, they said they, they ordered a PA. There's no PA here. Also, not sure if we have any plugs or outlets where we're going to be playing. And just all these things of like, <laughs> oh, the music we're about to perform just changed dramatically because if we have no sound system, I'm not playing drums. That's just not going to happen. It's going to be an acoustic set of Andres and Sarah. Um, but a PA did show up. Uh, we pulled it together. We got some extension cords, got some power out there, and... uh went off on our merry way and uh, I think the show went well it was a lot of fun people commented that it looked like we were enjoying ourselves smiling a lot um, I had a blast and uh, I don't think there's any footage of it but um, it was a good show I was gonna ask if I if, if there's something I can edit in half a year <laughs> yeah um, man I've still yet to show Andres uh, there's a footage you edited of our, our CD release yeah. show so that's the gig report for your listeners, um, I edited the, my multicam video, a show that uh, Montropo played. Uh, was it sometime half a year ago, right? Yeah, it was in like November. And so the footage was laying around, so I offered to to edit it. And um, I don't know if I, I... I felt like at the at the end of the set, I've gotten better at uh, at switching the, uh, the camera angles in a in a sensible way. But I don't know if I've got the hang of it really. So I have to do more. And the problem was also so for, for everybody, for anybody of you who is going to play a show and wants to record it, um, really choose your camera angles wisely. Yeah. And make it, make it look like there's action happening. And I mean, the, the usual thing is you, you put a camera somewhere where everything can be seen, which is okay. Everything can be seen, but it rarely looks, um, really exciting in a concert footage sense. So if you look at the, at the, at footage on, on YouTube of something like Glastonbury, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, um, there is rarely more than two or three seconds where the camera is simply just pointed straight on onto the stage. There's usually more happening. 
Yeah, only if something really dramatic happens with the lighting, like the whole stage lights up, or you know, some like fireworks go off. Like then you pull to this master shot, and the crowd goes nuts. Or you know, when the, the right. artist makes their appearance, and it's like boom. Um, or you know, if it's not that kind of production, still like at the very beginning or end of a set or a song, you might pull to this master shot. But like less than one percent of the show, are you probably going to want that shot? Right. And that's the problem I had that most of the time I didn't have a choice there. Um, so there were three cameras at, um, the only camera that ran through without a pause was the GoPro mounted on top of the, uh, of the drum set. So, um, I, I very often I, I cut to the drum set because I like showing drums. I think they're underrepresented in most live videos. But yeah, this, this main shot just straight onto the stage. I, I rarely liked cutting to that shot, but often I, I had no choice. And uh, maybe as soon as this goes up, we can add those retrospectively to the to the um, show notes here. But um, no, what I was trying to say is that um, if you only have one camera, so you only have one choice, at least put it at some kind of angle so it isn't just straight on. And yeah. um, have everybody on stage visible, maybe have some part of the audience visible, but if there's not a lot of audience, uh, yeah, keep the camera <laughs> pointed on stage. <laughs> so later on you can say, oh, it was wild, the whole room was full of people. And something else that I like to do was placing the camera behind us, which worked because we had an irregular setup of people on stage. We were just two people and we kind of looked at each other on stage so we could film through the gap between us and you could see the audience it was it was kind of nice it has a nice perspective but that doesn't really work with with the classic rock setup yeah now i could have seen like in the corner behind me and to the right of the drummer um a, a corner facing out shot that would see all of us and still see some of the crowd that could have been an interesting right shot. um no i mean Thanks to Trevor for, he basically shot that for free and, and ran it alone. So, um, there yeah, are some compromises <laughs> clearly trying to, trying to properly run three cameras, but, um, yeah, very, very happy. Yeah. With, but hindsight's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, so apparently there's a, some artist in Glastonbury that I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Um, Glastonbury. Uh, I am not sure. What's happening uh, over there? He, he's called he's called Kanye West, and um, so we talked about this uh, earlier. I think two episodes ago that there was a petition going on ha not having Kanye West as the headliner of Glastonbury. Um, yeah, which is usually a rock festival or a rock centric festival, and so they had Kanye West. There was a big controversy going on, but today we're only going to talk about the aftermath or the the performance itself. Um, why I found out about this that this happened. So I, I didn't follow Glastonbury that much because there was something else big going on this weekend. But when I looked at, at the, the front page of NME today, um, today was the, uh, no, I'm not going to date this episode. So I was looking at this, um, front page. There were 10 articles about Kanye West and there were two more articles where it, he wasn't the topic of the article, but he was in the thumbnail <laughs> of the article. So this whole front page is full of Kanye West, and I thought, what the hell is going on? Did somebody murder him on stage? <laughs> um, Almost. But no, <laughs> basically Kanye was just being Kanye, uh, shouting out, um, you're watching the greatest living rock star on the planet, <laughs> and this is kind of turning into a self-fulfilling prophecy. He was referring to Pharrell Williams, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... 
So some some crazy things happened. So first of all, he brought out uh, what? How do you pronounce him again? Boniver. Boniver. Yeah. Boniver. Yeah. Uh, with uh, saying he's one of the baddest white boys on the planet. <laughs> you know more about Boniver than I. Uh, is that statement in any way true? <laughs> it might be true, but what it reminds me of is: uh, Have you ever uh, seen the the story screens of the NES game Bad Dudes? No, I'm gonna let me do some. So the, there's only there's only like two screens involved. So it, the first screen is ninjas have kidnapped the president. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and only the baddest dudes can go rescue him basically um, something like that um so basically i'm picturing justin vernon is a bad dude with you know a white tank or a black tank top and like white sweatpants and he's gonna go karate his way to save the president <laughs> um but that's what i think kanye was really getting to um are you a bad enough dude to rescue him that's what the second line is. yeah it's it's just a it's just a tribute to the old nes classic <laughs> yeah kanye's just that good he's uh you know he's always making musical references why not video game references um but he also included this video um where um you know kanye's starting one of his songs and uh <laughs> someone runs on stage <laughs> and uh runs past him and he kind of his reaction is kind of muted and like delayed and then he kind of just gestures his hand out like can you get this fucker off stage please um but then he decides to start the song over. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why it. I mean, I don't know the song, but it doesn't seem like he missed a beat there. He could have just gone on and handled it like a professional could. Um, I'm, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm grabbing for some some strange fruits here, but um, why there wasn't a reason to restart the song other than make make this event bigger than it should have been. So this guy could have been tackled off stage and would have gone on, and but this way it it kind of. I don't know may maybe it's his way of of getting more PR out of it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he knew that it would be a little more important if he actually restarted the song because of this. So giving more weight to this to this incident. <laughs> but this video you linked um, you know, like any good YouTube video has mm -hmm. a giant annotation right after the, right at the beginning. So I hate the, the 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 audience disrespecting this of this kind of annotation, but before I've even seen what I came here to see, this giant thing in my face is Paris Hilton thinks she's going to die in a morbid plane prank. And uh, I don't know, like, I mean, I'm, this is more of a flipping tables topic, but I'm going to complain next episode. Actually, it'll have already been published by the time this comes out um, about how horrible the Internet is getting with uh, reader hostile web design. Um, just you know, that the, and clickbaity article. Titles. Yeah, the, the weird um, economy of the Internet is set up so that it has nothing to do with pleasing the reader. It's just about convincing people to click on horrible crap. And then once you're, once you've got them there, just fling more crap at them. Um, yeah, more of a flipping tables rant, but that, that happened on this video. Yeah. But being on the topic of horrible crap, he also sang a snippet of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> oh man, this was not very good. <laughs> Let that sink in. Kanye West. Kanye West at Glastonbury singing uh, the first verse of Bohemian Rhapsody. We've got this video in the show notes. He's, he's kind of flat in that. Um, yes. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm really dissing this guy. I, I'm not trying. So the, basically this whole thing is just to troll the haters. And it's, it's um, obvious 
that all this thing is just as a response to all this controversy going on before the gig and um, him headlining a, a, a rock festival and so he's like yeah let me just let me just do a, a real b so i mean he, he has he has to know that he can't sing the song very well it's just <laughs> like somebody anyway. going up in karaoke and trying to sing it and yeah, it might it even just be has worse. to be a fuck you to the haters yeah um it um, starts off great but that's because it's freddie mercury <laughs> and uh, yeah because he didn't sing it because we, it was just the playback then yeah, and, and then, for some reason, then at the part where he sings, and sometimes at some lines, just let the audience sing. Um, I don't know if it's if it's a um, a sign chain compressor or something, so that the music ducks in in a random way. So sometimes the music is just gone for no apparent reason. Yeah, it was really it's strange. Just, I can't. Ex I just can't explain anything in this video. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. I do like this uh, tweet that went out from Ben Heath. Uh, Jesus Christ, even a misspelling of Kanye is trending. And you see the screenshot where K-A-Y-N-E is also a trending topic in Kane. the UK. <laughs> Kane West. <laughs> Lioness's gold digger, Kanye. <laughs> I just remembered, wasn't there a video game that he was trying to make? Uh, well, I know his wife has made a bunch of billion dollar video games. But yeah. I didn't know about his. Uh, yeah, he was making one about his mother. No new news yet. You should call that legacy of Cain, the spelling that we see right here. <laughs> oh, man, that hurts. So a couple other topics for this episode. Uh, we've got this website by Hook Theory, um, this product called Theory Tab. And uh, they're basically taking music theory and trying to visualize it and, and tie it to media in an interesting way. So, um, you know, with most music, you're dealing in chord progressions and... Uh, you know, a lot of popular music uses very similar chord progressions. So this website lets you not only investigate the progressions that are in your favorite song, but instead of just being normal guitar tabs, um, they've color coded them, they've visualized them. And, uh, really interestingly, they've, uh, in many cases, um, synced it up with a YouTube performance of the song. So you can see the chords in real time over the song. And, uh, just as a, a really interesting tool, not only to learn songs you want to learn, but uh, see comparisons between it and other songs that are similar. And so very famously, the Axis of Awesome has their big YouTube video where they go on and on about four chord songs. And, you know, they have like, you know, 50 or 60 pop songs that use the exact same one, five, six, four chord progression. And, uh, the, you know, this website would theoretically be a tool you could use to actually discover which songs have that progression. Right. Yeah, and what I like about it is that, um, just as you said, you're not only learning how to play this one song, you also learn how to, that you can understand why this song works and what way. Not only, okay, so now I have to press down this fret or now I have to press this key on the keyboard. No, you actually learn the theory behind the song and maybe put something in your arsenal when you're composing yourself. And, uh, what I found there, interestingly, they don't, uh, they not only have like country and uh, rock and pop songs, but also something from video games. So right here, I've got Final Fantasy VI Dancing Mad Part 3 by Nobuo Matsu. Um, which if you've played this and know this from a soundtrack, it's a crazy song. It goes through a lot of phases and yeah, they've actually mapped it out with each chord. So there are sometimes four chord changes in just one measure. 
And it's interesting to see. Um, I, I haven't validated anything of this. Maybe some of it's bullshit, but I can see how that maybe, uh, it, it's, it's kind of made from an algorithm. So from the notes it, uh, that are being played, there only has to be one way so, or only one card choice there, but it looks interesting. Yeah. And as you said, it's synced up to the, to a YouTube video that's playing the song. So you're not getting, uh, horrible, piano midi from the website but actually uh, the soundtrack in in its full glory and it looks like in in the good spirit of the open web this is basically a wiki it's a community site so the, the entire world can edit this and revise it and presumably the tabs will get better and um assuming this company isn't a bunch of horrible people um hopefully this won't go down the route of being like a lyrics website or you know like a lot of tab you know guitar tab sites that are basically just you know blog spam that is geared towards search engine results but has horrible in your face yeah. ads that and also that they're stealing tabs um back in the days oh, right. i transcribed a lot of i transcribed a lot of gua songs and i've put them all on ultimate guitar and later on they showed up on every other guitar tab website so chances are if you learned a gua song it was probably tapped by me but not credited to me and i do wonder if the music industry will come and somehow find a way to sue this site for saying You're stealing our copyrighted tabulature. I don't know. Tabulature, yeah. Tabulature. Tabulature. Yeah. Tabulature. And, and right with this topic, um, to, to all the guitarists out there, um, just a, a random reminder. Every once in a while, just, just put your guitar in a very different tuning that you're used to and, um, yeah, start playing around with it. Um, I just started, um, so usually my guitar is, um, my guitar at home i've tuned just one step down for every string and with salt guys i had it tuned in the standard tuning and i never really liked drop d i always it always seemed to me like drop d is just an easy way out to play some power chords and i <laughs> don't want to i don't want to play power chords everywhere and making it easier would have been would have made it harder to avoid them and so i i had a i i tried an alternative tuning where i dropped the lowest string to a c The one above there is a G, so basically the, the top five songs uh, strings are like a drop tuning and then another drop tuning underneath that. <laughs> and um, just from playing around with it for an hour yesterday, I, I had some crazy chords coming from that that would have been impossible to, to play on a regular tuning. Yeah. So, or, or at least just you... Like what I found is even if something would technically be possible in standard tuning, you just won't discover these weird combinations of notes until yeah. you're, you're playing in a different tuning. So, no, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, I'm doing that every once in a while. It can help you find some, some new ground, some new territory when you, you feel in a rut or you always go to the same patterns when you're playing around in standard tuning. Yeah, that's um, the thing. Yeah, yeah, now I'm going back to the same patterns um, when, when fretting the strings, but it just sounds completely different. So now when I grab a tritone, a tritone on one of those two, uh, on two of those strings, it's actually a third. And that confused me completely with the first time I did it. <laughs> just as an inspiration, um, really do that from time to time. It really helps. Um, it's not really possible on the keyboard. The only thing on the keyboard that you can do is just go into a key that you're not used to. Yeah. While on the guitar, the key doesn't really matter. You just move upwards or downwards. But, But I do find yeah, that sometimes they're just going to to comment on. Yeah, yeah you can't change. You don't, there's not any equivalent of you know changing your tuning on piano. Um, I don't find it's. I, I feel as much of an obstacle for finding new things on a keyboard because it's like every 
every note is equally easy to pull. I don't know how to, how to say it. It's like, yeah. it's already more transparent and neutral. Whereas a tuned guitar suggests very certain combinations of notes and you have to try hard to get outside of a certain spectrum. And that's why tuning it differently sure. helps you get out there. And keyboards are just like, here are all my notes, play any of my notes. And it, it's very easy. <laughs> No, it's great, and we should we should try to keep finding these little like things you can do to switch things up um, to go with our complaining about lossless music. <laughs> <laughs> you also shared this uh, Deviant Art journal um, that kind of uh, takes up the topic of when you give feedback about music, and uh, I think the context for this is specifically when an, an artist posts something and either requests or or gets feedback directly on it and not so much you're talking to your friend about stuff um but it it all comes down to this phrase that we've all probably heard before is you know someone listens to something and they go wow this reminds me of blank and uh the way that phrase can be used uh, this this uh, deviant art journal entry was basically complaining that that can be a really um diminishing comment it can be a oh it sounds like you too and then it's kind of like well that's all it is. It's this thing that sounds like you too. And, uh, you know, you worked really hard on something. You think you poured yourself into it and it's kind of just been categorized as something else. Yeah. And, uh, that can be really frustrating in ours. And I can totally get that. I've had, I know I've even had people say, you sound like Brandon Flowers from, uh, the killers. And I'm just like, not only do I not really see that. <laughs> It was just kind of weirdly like, I'm glad you found a connection to something you recognize, but what? <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> so just to quote from this article, um, I think the, the core point is here in, in this paragraph. What are you actually complimenting? Are you basically putting down that artist's skill to create original content because it reminds you of a, pop a more popular medium that is similarly portrayed? But keep in mind, If it's not fan art, so this is, of course, deviant art. People are um, doing artworks of, of popular series. But keep in mind, if it's not fan art you're commenting on and it's somebody's original work, you cannot just go around beating other people's original creations with, this reminds me of insert thing that's already popular. It makes the artist feel invalidated as if their original concept and work isn't even worth mentioning. And I think that's that's the thing. Um, if you're, if you're um, putting effort into writing a comment and... I know that trying to to get reactions out of people um, when doing marketing online, just even getting them to click on like is hard enough. So if somebody puts in the effort to actually write a comment, um, just a little bit more effort could be put into this and actually write a comment about the artwork in in uh, in particular, not just this reminds me of X. And um, I can see that that it's it's kind of like a cop out. It's like I want to comment on this, but I don't know what to comment. And um, maybe it, it falls in line with if you don't have anything nice to say, you shouldn't say anything. Yeah. But um, it's also very drastic while, because at the same time, I like if I get feedback, even if it's, yeah, not the most useful feedback. If there's some new comment on something that I made and it's not negative, um, I'm, I'm fine yeah. with that. I like that. But um, it, it really, if you hear that all the time and I see it all the time and I fell into the trap myself. I mean, how often do we say after our pick of the week that it reminds us of X, Y? I mean, usually we, we qualify that statement afterwards and say why it does so and uh, the, the good parts and the bad parts. If you just, but if you just leave that, it's reminds, this reminds me of X. Um, there's not really a lot of content in that comment itself. And yeah. I'm trying to get not to do that myself from now on. And 
we will see right in a few minutes in pick of the week this week yeah i do want to point out that this this blogger posts the uses the word fuck bag so i'm glad that that's in the article <laughs> um no i totally agree and uh you know i'm you just got me thinking about you know in my teaching background feedback is a big topic and how do you give feedback to students and even though in this context you know it may not be that the person commenting is better at art and has good feedback to give to the artist but um there's still some principles worth knowing about teaching that you know good feedback is timely it's specific it's um, you know, in a teaching context, it's goal-based. You're getting someone towards a goal with your feedback. You're not just saying, great, or nope. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you've seen those, like, you post a song, and people just go, great. And, like, you feel you feel good. Like, thanks for, you know, commenting on my thing. But it doesn't feel like you, there was really an engagement with what you made. It's just like, yep, you made a thing. I'm happy for you. And you're like, huh. And, you know, those most special comments are the ones when you re can really tell someone actually listened or looked at what you did and, and their comments reveal the fact that they really paid attention. I think that's the difference because most of the time when you see, oh, that reminds me of blah, 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 it's like masquerading as that deeper kind of analysis. And so you really want to get the sense that the person isn't just saying that to get done with their, oh, I, I listened to it. Are you happy now? But that they actually, they're making a point with it. You just summed up the problem with every comment on SoundCloud ever. <laughs> just this, this part. <laughs> and they do the time yeah. comments. Yeah, with, with, yeah on, on SoundCloud it's even worse. So you can actually mark the section that you like and just say, great. <laughs> you don't even have to do anything. Usually, I like the part at one minute, and that's that's already on on the border of um, the kind of comedy you just that you just explained. But just putting it somewhere in the song thing, this is great. Um, I don't know. Yeah, especially when it's in the second verse, that sounds exactly like the first verse. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you, if you're giving feedback to people, I mean, I get it. Not everyone's trying to do like a a, a critical analysis of things, but um, you know, just be thoughtful. And like, I, the, when I first saw the title of this blog post, I was like in defensive mode, like, oh, no, no, no. Comparisons are really useful. But, you know, after I read it, I totally got where this person was coming from. And I agree. And, uh, there is a way to use comparisons. Um, and I think we do it pretty well on this podcast. Um, comparisons help have a point of commonality. So someone can kind of have a way to understand what you're talking about. But you just can't be, diminishing with it you can't be redu reductive um i think that's the key yep and with that let's start right into our pick of the week all right so what was your pick of the week so my pick of the week was uh, a song by my brightest diamond called dragonfly and uh my brightest diamond is the 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 artist name of shara warden and uh she's been a backup singer in like a million projects she's kind of filled these uh, little roles she, she plays violin she's uh she was in sufjan's band um she was uh she was on a decemberist album one of their story one of their story albums they're all story albums um and uh she's got this really amazing voice and i'm not usually like mr diva vocals or you know i'm not really looking for operatic singing but she the way she pulls it off is is always kind of um enchanting and this song is no exception so maybe let's just hear a little bit of dragonfly i'm afraid of flying i'm 
So that was some some of Dragonfly by My Brightest Diamond, and uh, in addition to her voice, which I just went on about, um, I also like the the use of violin and uh, the, the the string, the playing of string in in this song. It was a uh, you know the way it flutters in and kind of warms up different parts and kind of moves you around is uh, it carries you through really well. So did you get a chance to listen to this? What did you think of Dragonfly? Yeah, I did. And just as you said, so the song is mostly, I think, carried by her vocals, um, which are very clean, very soft vocals. And it, I mean, it's very obvious that she knows how to handle her voice and, and, and how to control it. And then those strings that come up from every once in a while and then they are rising. And as you get to the end of the song, they're playing an even more prominent role. So those strings, they are really, really carrying it with her, this whole song. And um, something else that I like. So while this is, it it kind of sounds um like a there, there's nothing really surprising in the instrumentation or the composition in that sense. Um, until you get to the point at about two and a half minutes in, where there's this irregular starting and stopping going on, which I like. So it was kind of fresh and surprising in that moment. Up until this point, um, I was I wasn't really um won over by that song yet because it it. It kind of went on. It was almost the same thing throughout, um, unless you were really just focusing on the vocals. But then this this starting and stopping st- uh, happened, um, which led to some signature changes in, in effect then. And this is what's, what got me back into the song. So um, <laughs> it kind of won me over with that. Uh, I, I always like when, when then things are surprising in music. And you love your time signatures. So what was your pick of the week? My pick of the week is Girlfriends with the song Checks Yourself Before You Wrecks Yourself. Um, this is a guy, one guy, a one-man three-piece band, as it is uh, described in one of the YouTube videos that I've posted here. Um, so when he's playing live, he's got a loop pedal, he's got a guitar, he's got a drum set, and he's got a keyboard, and he's playing all of that. Not necessarily at the same time, but... Um, so in this song, and we're going to post the YouTube video in the show notes, but... As always, you can find the song later on in the Spotify playlist. Um, he starts out with a simple guitar loop that he's adding on top of um, another guitar loop and then another guitar loop, and he's playing more something like a bass line with the guitar. And then he sits down at the drum sets and starts hammering out the the, the meanest beat possible to that, <laughs> yes. to that song. And and then in between, change it switches to the keyboard a little bit while still, I think, playing the hi hat and then switching back to the to the drum set. And I just find it interesting. And so here's just a little part of that song. So what did you think of all this? Oh, this song was really entertaining. And it's a great example of a song that repeats itself the entire time, but that I don't care. And it's just great. And uh, I make that sound yeah. like it's usually a problem. It's not usually a problem because music's very repetitive. But um, uh, And just I, I watched the YouTube video first of the live performance. And you're, you're so right. When he comes in with the drums, it's just like there's no tentative. There's no like, you know, he's not whimpering in. It's just a full confidence I'm doing this. 
and uh you know very very fun to watch him hit the drums and you can see the crowd really react viscerally to how confident his beat comes in over the looped guitars and you know later he's he's playing the keyboard while he keeps the beat going with one hand and his foot and uh you know all that's very fun to watch it sounds really great and uh you know there's just some kind of glee to the the production of this song that is infectious and fun to watch and uh, i you know even though the the obviously the quality is better on the recorded version i i think i prefer the youtube performance just for that energy and i also find it kind of bold that um i mean i produce some music just by myself but i don't see myself um also uh performing this music all by myself so if i were to to actually produce something in in that vein in that genre something that sounds pretty much like rock music i mean he's got a drum set a guitar and all that um i wouldn't do it all by myself i i don't think i could be able to do that but he's pretty bold he's playing live shows like that and i think that's that's awesome yep so with that, um, here's our, our little pitch that uh, we, we pick songs every single week that we think are special or surprising or interesting, and uh, we collect them onto a Spotify playlist, which you can find in our show notes. And uh, that way you, you have new music coming to you every single week, um, new stuff to check out. And uh, you can find our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 22. And uh, while you're there, you might as well subscribe so you get new episodes automatically delivered to your phone. So if you're on iOS, uh, there's a built-in podcast app or one that I love is overcast.fm. If you're on Android, you could check out Podcast Addict or Pocket Cast and then just search for bits and pieces and you'll see our, our multicolored artwork and you can subscribe. Um, we also love feedback. We're both on Twitter. Um, I'm at Medwards Music and Matt is at Echolocks. And uh, if you got questions, you want to send us a song, you want to, you have a topic or an article, um, please do send it our way. We love interacting on Twitter. Um, if you want to support us directly, you can head to our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot, um, there's ways you can directly donate to our network. And uh, there's, you know, Sunrise Robot has grown. We have six shows now and you might check out our brand new show, Eclectic Readers. Um, it's a book club podcast. It's great. Um, but if you, you know, any dollar you send our way goes a long way. It helps us improve the quality of our shows, helps us keep producing these, um, and, and creating new content. Um, special thanks also to our top Patreon sponsors, Bruce Edwards and Andreas Langa. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. 